Right, I should just learn how to do that. Put a big sign up here. Let the kids go. Let them go. Instead of let my people go, let my little kiddos. All right, now I have to remember where I was. Well, yeah. I know that's exactly what. So, yeah, anyway, so if we're doing this 21 days of fasting... Sometimes it's good for us to know why we're fasting and, and how to fast and different ways that God is doing things. And so that's what I really want to talk about. So there's three main kind of fastings in the scripture, and, and we're just going to go through those quickly. And then we're going to look at eight reasons why we fast. So the first one is called the normal fast. And a normal fast is where you quit eating food. No food, just drink water, that's it. That's a normal fast. And that can be anywhere from one day, it could be one meal, you fast one meal, or you fast one day, which would be a 24-hour, you know, from supper to supper, those kind of things, that's a 24-hour period, so that would be fasting for a day. And, uh, you know, in the Jewish mindset, the new day starts in the evening, so... That's kind of an interesting thing. But you can fast from for 24 hours. Uh, there's been recorded three-day fast, 21-day fast in the Bible, 40-day fast in the Bible. And so we're talking about just no food and denying ourselves. And so this is the, well, th- there is an extreme in the Bible. And this is only a supernatural fast. Because Moses fasted for 80 days in a row. Remember when he went up into the mount and he went to um, get the law and all that kind of stuff? And he went up there for 40 days and then he started coming down and uh, the Lord called him back up and he went for another 40 days. And the sound of things is he went without food and water. That would be something supernatural. So it's not something I expect that we're going to be needing to do Um, that's only recorded once in the bible but a normal fast 40 days is usually the max and so this is what happened to jesus in matthew chapter 4 remember that god the holy spirit called jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil and it says this and after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights he then became hungry And then in Luke chapter 4, verse 2, it says, And forty days, being tempted by the devil, it says he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. So we know that Jesus had water because it didn't say he was thirsty. And obviously we know that you can't really go very many days past three days and stay healthy without water because your body's made out of water it begins to destroy itself and things like that so when we're talking about an absolute uh, a regular fast or a normal fast it's just no food and you drink water then there's what the scripture talks about is the absolute fast and that's no water or food period nothing at all and that happened a couple times Uh, multiple times actually in the scripture one of them was uh remember when saul was going to damascus and he was angry and he was trying to capture the the people and bring them into prison and all those things and jesus appeared to him 
So in Acts chapter 9, verse 9, it says, And he was three days uh, without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. It doesn't tell us that he was fasting, but we can kind of figure out from his personality that that's what he was doing. But there is a scripture here in Esther chapter 4. Remember when when uh, the king made a proclamation uh, that all the people, would, that the Jews would be killed and all that, and then Esther was going to go into the king and make a proclamation. Well, she said, before I go in there, because if you entered into the king's throne room without being invited, you would be killed unless he raised his scepter to you and and accepted you. It was just a rule of the land. You never barged in on the king, even if you were the king's queen. (laughs) So you never entered his presence without his permission. And so Esther was going to go into the king and speak to him. And she said this in uh, Esther chapter 4, verse 16. She said, Go assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maidens will also fast in the same way. And thus I will go to the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. And so she said, I want everybody to fast. I want everybody not even drinking water. Now, that's pretty extreme, but it, it takes place. You know, I've, I've done one of those fasts in my life where I, where I just did it. No water, no food, nothing. And boy, is that hard because you want to drink something. <laughs> and especially if you're exerting yourself anyway. But I did do that one time and uh, just to... Uh, in obedience to the Lord, and into, really it was interesting to find out what it would be like because you can only imagine. You know, I know what's going, what's de- you know dealing without food is. Then there's a partial fast. A partial fast is represented from Daniel chapter ten, verses two and three. It says, "In those days, I Daniel had been mourning for three entire weeks. I did not eat any tasty food nor meat." Or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the three weeks were completed. So what he did is he ate food, but he didn't eat any tasty food or meat or wine. He didn't allow that to enter in and remember the king's table and all that with all the stuff that he could eat and participate of because of his level in in the government and all those kind of things. So he said, I'm just taking certain foods away. And so that's what a lot of people are probably doing here is they're fasting either meals every day or they're fasting certain things where they're not having them. So then the reason, those are the three main ones. So why do we even fast? Why would you fast? Because that seems to do nothing. All it does is stop you from eating. (laughs) Uh, Well, doesn't it? It's at least it seems so. But there's always reasons that God has for these things. And I'm going to show you eight reasons for fasting. And these come from God's chosen fast from author, uh, Arthur Wallace. And I'm just using those and, and, uh, because it's just easier to, to just do this instead of hunting everything out. But the first one is fasting unto God. And that's because God speaks to us and asks us to fast. So we, we, we fast and we're looking to him. We're just seeking him or actually 
coming before him and spending time. Usually when you fast, the idea behind fasting is that you're going to spend some of the time that you eat seeking the Lord. Instead of eating, you're seeking him. So that's, that's you know, sometimes we go, oh, I'm so busy, I can't even pray. But we usually find time to eat. And uh, so, well, don't we? Yeah, oh, I'm so busy, but we find time to eat. So we, during that time where you would eat, you can pray. And that's one of the things, and that we're coming unto God and we're seeking his face. Now, there's a negative expression of this that God speaks to when he's speaking to people. And then I'll give you a, a positive one. But in Zechariah 7, 5, he says, Say to all the people of the land and the priest, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seven months, these 70 years, was it actually for me that you fasted? And so they weren't really seeking him. They weren't really doing it at his request. They were just doing it um, as a religious thing, as a, as a memory thing of some disasters that took place. That's why these two fasts were were there. And... So he says, were you really doing this for me? But then if you look at uh, Acts chapter 13, 2, this is the positive one. It says, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them. So they were fasting and they were seeking the Lord and they were ministering to him and they were were, were looking for direction and understanding and God spoke to them and, and explained some things to him, to them through that. But that's one thing, fasting unto the Lord and actually giving our heart to him and and just wanting to be in his presence and take extra time to be with him. So that's number one. The other one, uh, another one is for personal sanctity. Now that's a fancy word. And again, I said Wallace is using this. Really what it's talking about is just to, to pull aside and say, Lord, I just want to be in your presence so you can change me. I just want to be in your presence so that you can do a work in my heart, that you can heal me, restore me, give me life, do the things that, that you want. I'm just coming to you as my source of life. Uh, the other kind of fast, like, like I said, coming to the Lord, it's ministering to him, but this is where we're seeking to see if he'll touch our heart and open ourselves to him, saying, Lord, I'm setting apart extra time to be in your presence so that you can do your work in me. I want to draw closer. I want to know you more. I want to be in your presence. I want to dwell with you. And those are the kind of things that that we can do in this second aspect. And so those those ones seem to be make sense of why we would do this. Now, a third type is really makes sense also, I think. It's to be heard on high. And usually when we're talking about this idea of being heard on high, it's something bad's happening, and I need help, God. I want you to hear my voice. I want you to know I'm serious. I want you to know things are difficult. And I, I chose a kind of a humorous passage here from my mind. So... Uh, to talk about this because I, I think it's interesting. All right, so you remember that Israel had sinned against the Lord, and one of the things that had happened is that God took them into captivity. He destroyed Jerusalem, city of Jerusalem. He took them captive uh, to Babylon, and he said that 
they were going to be able to return to the land at a, after 70 years of captivity. Well, at the end of those 70 years, Ezra uh, came back with a whole group of people, with thousands of people, to repopulate Jerusalem and repopulate the land. The king sent them there. And they had been speaking to this king, and they had been telling the king how great God is, how awesome he is, and, and how wonderful and powerful he is. Well, they gave them all the stuff from the temple. Do you remember how when the Babylonians came and they destroyed the temple, they took all the holy things, and, and they took everything and brought it to the house of their gods and stuff. And so now they had all this wealth. It was all golden things and bronze and just all this wealth that they had, and they were going to be traveling back to the land. And it takes a long time. I mean, this these guys are doing it by foot, maybe with camels and some other things. But most of their travel would be on foot. And so it was going to take them a long time. And they would have to go through all these different nations and possible enemies and robbers and all these things. And so <laughs> this is why I think it's funny. So listen to this, what Ezra says. Ezra says in verse uh, 21 of chapter 8, he says, I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before God and seek from him a safe journey for us, our little ones and all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request from the king troops and horsemen to protect us from the enemy on the way because we had said to the king, the hand of our God is favorably disposed to all of those who seek him, but his power and his anger are against all those who forsake him. So we fasted and we sought our God concerning this matter, and he listened to our entreaty. Now you can see why he might think, well, it would be great to have troops. We've got all these people. We're, we're not warriors. We've been in captivity for 70 years. We're going back to the land. We could be attacked. They could steal and rob from us and all these things. But then he says, I was ashamed because I told him God's awesome. <laughs> so why would I ask him for help? So they called a fast and they said, God, pay attention, pay attention. We're asking you to protect us as we go back. We're asking you to watch over us as we go. And that's exactly what God did. He, he says it right there that God gave them favor. And that's the wonderful thing is that God's able to do that. But can you see the humor in it? It's just, yeah, it's just amazing. But there's other times where, where they had massive armies coming against the kings and the kings would call a fast and they would fall down before God. They would humble themselves and they would say, God, Listen to what they're saying. Listen to the threats of these people. Listen to what's happening and see what they're trying to accomplish. And they'd cry out to God, and God would come in, in a powerful way because they showed their seriousness by their fasting. They showed their seriousness because they were setting apart time as a people to seek the face of God, to be heard on high in times of peril and trouble. Another reason that we fast is to change God's mind. That seems like a strange one, doesn't it? What do you mean change God's mind? Think if God makes a decree, isn't it solid, isn't it concrete? Well, God, he is true. Everything he says is real. Everything he says is right. 
But there are some times where God does change his mind because people cry out to him. That's his heart, and that's what he wanted to have. So we're going to talk about the kingdom of Nineveh. The kingdom of Nineveh was super wicked. They were very evil, and they just conquered people, and they would just do these atrocious things. They would come in, and they would kill the all the people of a city and they would pile skulls up as high as they possibly could and leave those out there as a reminder to terrorize other people and to say if if you go against us this is going to happen to you and so they would do these things and they were known for their excessive wickedness and so god was going to bring judgment upon them so he decided to send a prophet and you know do you know why god sends a prophet to the people of nineveh because he wants them to turn. He wants them to hear the word that he speaks, and he wants them to repent and come to him so he doesn't have to bring that destruction. God doesn't take pleasure in in destroying the wicked. He doesn't take it at all. He wants all men to come to a truth and a knowledge of Christ. They want want them to come to him and receive his life and his abundance. And so Nineveh is this city and he picks this prophet called Jonah and he tells Jonah why don't you go he doesn't ask him nicely but you know like why don't you but go to Nineveh it's when you start saying something you realize you said it wrong he's not asking he's telling (laughs) he's commanding him go to Nineveh I want you to go to that city and I want you to proclaim judgment on them And then if you remember the story, he runs away from God. He gets on the ship and he tries to go as far as he can in the opposite direction because he says this to God. He says, the reason that I'm doing this, the reason that I ran away is because I know you're a compassionate God and that if I speak to these people and they repent, you're going to heal them. I don't want them to be healed. I want them to be destroyed because of their wickedness and all the things that they've done to the land of Israel and and to the, the... uh, nation of Judah and and so he's running away but he knows God's compassionate he knows God wants people to come to him so that he can save them and love them and care for them and deal with them he wants them to turn from their wicked ways and so so what happens is he goes in and he begins to pronounce judgment and wrath upon the city he says 40 days from now this city is going to be destroyed now if you remember in the bible too sodom and gomorrah where fire came from heaven and destroyed the whole city at one time boom just instantly judgment well they had chance to repent too but they didn't and so then here's this whole idea of god saying this judgment's going to come and these guys remember this stuff it doesn't matter how how far in the past it is we remember it and look how long it is from us a long time so anyway goes in and the king it grabs his heart and he see he calls everyone to fast he calls everyone to to do this and here's what the king said in ezra 8 oh not i'm sorry we got to go to jonah chapter 3 verses 5 through 10 it says then the people of Nineveh believed God that what that God was going to destroy them that he was going to bring judgment on them 
and they called a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. And when the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. He issued a proclamation, and he said this, In Nineveh, by decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. Both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth, and let men call on God earnestly that each may turn away from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. It says, when God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. And so these guys are saying, let's fast, let's cry out to God because he might change his mind. He, if, if we humble ourselves before him, if we come before him and ask for mercy, then he, will, he might just give it to us. And obviously God did because that's his heart. That's who he is. He, this is exactly what he had hoped they would do. And they did it. And it says that uh, he changed his mind. And so part of fasting is, God, I want this changed. You know, that always doesn't work. (laughs) God changed his mind as far as relenting from judgment. But you remember Moses, he's the classic story. Moses is the classic one. God comes to Moses, calls him. He says, I want you to go deliver my people from Egypt. And he goes, no, send someone else. You know, he's going, no, not me. I'm, I'm, I can't speak good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. And he just had reason for everything. And then he finally just, God says, stop it. You're going. He got mad with him, actually. He got angry at him. He said, stop. He says, I'll I'll have your brother speak for you, but you're going. You're going to free my people. This is my call and my purpose for your life. So God won't relent on those kind of things because he has a purpose for each one of us. And so, so we can't just fast and say, okay, God, change your mind. Because when he has a plan for us, it's going to be fulfilled. And he wants that to happen and take place. So... That's an interesting one also. Change the heart, mind of God. Another one is to set the captives free. You think, how does fasting set captives free? Isaiah talks about it in Isaiah chapter 58. You know, that's a really classic passage. In it, the children of Israel are fasting, and they're fasting, saying, why aren't you hearing us? Why aren't you listening to us? Why, why, why aren't you doing what we're asking? We're fasting, but you're not doing your part. And God said, it's, it's because you have wickedness in your heart. He's talking to the children of Israel. But here's what he says in Isaiah 58, 6. Is this not the fast which I choose? to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. There's something powerfully, spiritually, that's released when we, when we fast and pray. 
There's something that breaks yokes of bondage within ourselves and even within our culture. When we fast and pray and begin to seek the face of the Lord, then in the next verse, I, which I didn't put up there, he talks about going to those who are hungry and caring for them and meeting their needs, those who are oppressed and, and seeking to do this, that there, there's a change of heart that can take place also within us to, to minister to people and to bring freedom to their lives. What God wants fasting to do in that case is to break every bond of wickedness, to break the spiritual bonds of wickedness. And it talks about, you know, in the scripture, well, I think this one goes hand in hand, I think, with the next one, which is to to deliver from the demonic. So I'm going to kind of talk about those together because in one sense, uh, we're to deliver people, but then the other sense were to break the bonds of wickedness as far as as demonic realm goes and things that are oppressing people individually but also our whole culture and everything that takes place there so there's this this idea of of a power that goes forth to break yokes and some things will not even be taken care of except for by prayer and by fasting do you remember that time where the disciples said, you know, what's going on here? Why couldn't we cast the demon out of this kid? Remember the epileptic kid? He was falling down on the ground. They tried to cast the spirit out, wouldn't come. Of course, Jesus comes and he just, bam, he takes care of business, gets this kid delivered, and he's, he's whole and sound and totally healed. And they said, well, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we get it out? And Jesus says this kind does not come out except through prayer and fasting. And so there's this idea of power being released through prayer. And that's why God asks us to pray, because he's given us authority to pray and to bring his kingdom to earth. So there's a lot of this going on. But there's... Remember how it says also in the scripture that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness, all those things. There's something of pushing back the darkness when we fast and pray. So there's a, a continual need for us to, to, to fast and to pray. Another reason is for revelation. So that's the seventh reason why we want to do this is for revelation this is uh, from daniel chapter 9 verse 2 it says in the first year of his reign which is the king i daniel observed in the books the number of years which revealed as the word of the lord to jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of jerusalem namely 70 years So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. So he says, I'm seeking God. I'm going after him. And while I was speaking um, in prayer, this is verse 21 and 22. This tells the results. He's been speaking for uh, quite a long time and praying. It says, while I was speaking in prayer... The man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. He gave me instruction, and he talked with me and said, O Daniel, I've come forth to give you insight and understanding. 
one of the things maybe you know i i i've done this uh in my life when i don't know what to do when i don't know what god has for me or i'm in a time where things seem to be confused about what to do and stepping out in the future and those kind of things i spend time in prayer and i spend time fasting and what happens is that god begins to bring clarity because again you're setting yourself apart and you're setting yourself to seek the lord and to seek what his direction is and his guidance and that helps a lot it just helps us to to focus in on him and he begins to speak to us and he begins to to talk to us when we quiet our spirits down a lot of times when we're having different times here where things may be confused or we're struggling with them in our flesh then god will quiet us i've told you this before but a lot of times when i'm that way i just i for whatever reason it just helps me in my brain i get myself and i go kind of crawl right under where my desk is so i'm kind of in a little hole (laughs) and i just pray and i pray in the spirit and i just lay on the floor and i pray and i just continue to pray until the lord begins to speak to me and sometimes it takes a few minutes, but a lot of times it takes a longer period of time where I'm setting it apart and saying, God, I want to hear from you. And then what can take place is that God can bring peace and he can start bringing direction. He starts speaking and he starts letting me know stuff. And then I understand what's happening. So I just pray in the spirit and I pray and until I get a release and then God begins to show things. And that's that's a wonderful wonderful deal so revelation is huge because we want to know the will of god we want to know what he has for us and he'll show us we even want to know what he has for our community and for our our region we can begin to ask and god will show us things because that's what he does now the final one is um, for health and healing this one doesn't have tons of scriptures but one that you could take and i i didn't put these in because we don't need to read all these this is just going to be the basic story of it remember when daniel first first went to uh, babylon and the they took him because uh, what they did here's how this worked when the king kingdom of babylon came against jerusalem in Judea, when they came against that the city, they did it in three different waves. Their their goal was the first wave come in and they took all of the leading people. They took all of the the ones who were wise and had teaching and different things, and big merchants, all those kind of things. Those who had any any kind of value from their eyes and they took them away to Babylon, and they started training them. So they took Daniel, and Daniel was one that was uh, taken to work in the king's king's government and those kind of things. So, so when they came, they said, you know what? We, I, we don't want to eat from the king's table because he has all these delicacies and all these different things and a lot of the food would have been offered to idols and 
all this. And he says, we don't, we don't want to eat of those things. So we just want to, you to give us vegetables and potatoes and different things like that, that we'll eat. And, uh, and the guy said, oh, I can't do that because if, if you look weak, then the king will get after me because of it. And he says, well, just try it for 10 days. Let us eat what, what we ask of you and then, and then go ahead and do that. And so they did. They ate these good foods, not the delicacies of the king and all the things that were extreme eating, you know, what kings do in their glory and all their stuff. And it said that after 10 days, he found them more healthy than all the other ones who were eating from the king's table. So he allowed them to continue to do that. So we know that what happens when we fast, especially when we fast, you know, like if you've ever really fasted, sometimes you get a headache. You're going like, oh, oh man. And sometimes you feel shaky and all those kind of things. And you're going, what's going on? And you just feel bad. And that's usually because what's happening is your body starts getting rid of toxics and all this kind of stuff, and you have headaches from not eating and and drinking uh, the regular things that you do. And so that can begin to happen. But what happens is that after you have fast for quite a long days, all the impurities are out of your body. You know, they do that for just, they have places where you go to fast just for medical purposes and medical reasons. So there's a benefit besides that. It's healthy and it helps to reset your body and bring healing. So those are are, um, eight reasons that the Bible talks about for reasons for fasting. So then why are we fasting? Why are we trying to do this and what do we hope to accomplish out of it? Well, the first thing is is that obviously we're wanting to seek the face for this new year. This is a year of promise. This is what he's said we're going to have. And so to begin to pray for uh, understanding more fully his promises that he has for us and to walk them out and to, to move into them and to see them accomplished in our life. And so that's really what we want to do is is do that. The other thing is that we want to see breakthrough in many different areas because that's one of the things we want we want to see god's kingdom come and his will be done on earth it is as it is in heaven we want to see people healed we want to see people delivered we want to see people come to the lord in salvation and do all these things and so fasting is a part of that and it's just that we're not begging god but we're saying god we're serious we're setting apart this time to seek your face. And so with that, that means that part of the reason we're fasting is for ourselves, that we can increase in the things of the Lord, but that we're also praying for others. And that's what we're going to end with on this is this, I got a sheet here. Remember I was talking last week about apostolic prayers and stuff. And so what I did is I took, I took, all these are from Scripture. These are every single one of these verses that I have in here. Are and I made it into a prayer, but on the bottom you'll see. John, you want to hand these out, maybe? Thank you, sir. And uh, so I've got actually twenty-nine different scriptures that these that this prayer comes from. And. This says, pray this for new life. This is what I want us to pray. 
during the next couple weeks, and then you can use this for anyone. You can use this for yourself. You can use this to pray for any single individual. You can use it to pray for new life. All you have to do is, instead of having new life, all you got to do is, is say their name. You know, it makes sense. So let's, let's work through this real quick. And maybe, maybe uh, let's pray this together because it's written there for you. And you can kind of see, and you'll see the house. This is just scripture. It's nothing I've made up at all. It's 100% from the, the prayers of Paul and Peter. And, and uh, it's good, good stuff. Father, I thank you for New Life Foursquare Church. I pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. I ask that you open the eyes of our hearts and enlighten us to know the hope of your calling and the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. God, I thank you for the freedom you are giving new life as you are transforming us from glory to glory into your image through the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for transforming us by the renewing of our minds. In the name of Jesus, I cast down every lofty thing in the minds of anyone at New Life that would exalt itself against a true knowledge of you and replace it with an increasing knowledge of yourself. May every stronghold of the false speculations or man be destroyed and be replaced by the truth of the gospel that manifests the power of your salvation. I pray that every person in new life would take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and be anxious for nothing, but instead pray with thanksgiving to you. May our minds dwell and think upon whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, Whatever's pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute and is excellent and worthy of praise. I ask that everyone in new life be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in the inner man so we might be rooted and grounded in love. May we comprehend what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of your love and be filled up to the fullness of you. I pray that we would take up your full armor, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit, to stand against the schemes of the devil. May we be strong in you and in the power of your might, May we know the surpassing greatness of your power according to the working of this strength of your might. And so be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might. May we experience the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge and be filled with the knowledge of your will with all spiritual wisdom and knowledge. May our love abound more and more in real knowledge and discernment, so we might approve those things that are excellent. 
May Christ dwell in our hearts by faith so we might experience your peace that passes all understanding. I pray that we might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, sincere and blameless, pleasing you in all respects, bearing fruit for every good work, attaining steadfastness and patience, proving your good, acceptable, and perfect will for our lives. That's good stuff. Remember last, last week I said there's a prayer that you can pray for me? This is it right there. If you, pray, you can pray for this for me anytime you want. And uh, I had an interesting problem with the document that this was in. I actually was going to give you four pages. One of them that says, uh, that says uh, has it set up to praying for a woman or praying for a man so that, you know, you don't have to figure out to put the different pronouns in and stuff. And then one praying for yourself. You can pray this over yourself. This is all scripture. God, do this in me. Do this in my heart. Do this in my children. Do this in, in uh, whoever you're praying for. And so that's one of the things that I, I would like us to, to pray and ask that we begin to see these things. So, so that is part of our prayer and fasting and part of the promises. You see, every single one of these things actually is part of the promises. And so it's really good stuff. And then just to let you know, too, how I do this, I don't just, like, have a prayer like this and just read it because I, you know, I can and I do, but I don't do it every time. So sometimes what I'll do is I'll take the first concept and I'll read it to myself and then I'll begin to pray and expand upon that in that arena. Do you know what I'm saying? Because these are different aspects of coming to God, different aspects of truth and all these things. And then I pray in those areas so that it doesn't just become something that I'm just praying rote and those kind of things. But there's a reason uh, to expand it so that I'm praying in my own mind and my own heart coming out of this. So you can do it in whatever way is best for you, obviously. Some people love to have written prayers. Other people like to pray their own prayers, but this gives some guidelines into areas that you could pray for. And so we can use these things in a lot of different ways to bring powerful things to bear. So now we're going we're gonna to end our time together with communion. And, uh, but before we do that, one of the things I like to do, the Communion represents the, the broken body of Jesus Christ. It says, by his stripes we're healed. He took, he bore our sickness, it says. He bore our disease. He took the, what we deserved for our own sin. He took everything upon himself. And it says, by his stripes we are healed. That's talking about physical healing. It's talking about spiritual healing. And because Jesus Christ bore all those things upon himself, he took them upon himself, the weight of sin and everything upon himself. And so he speaks of healing that comes because of this bread that it represents, all his suffering, all his sacrifice. He says, do this in remembrance of me when you eat the bread, and we'll do that in just a second. The juice represents Jesus' shed blood. 
The Bible says it can almost be said that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And that's the truth because there had to be a shedding of blood and it had to be innocent blood, not, not the blood of one who was sinful because the blood had to be pure so that it could cleanse everyone who comes. So Jesus died in order to give us life. He died in order to forgive us for sin. He died so that we could have a relationship with God. Because the scripture says that what happens is that sin separates us from God. But Jesus Christ, he became the way to God through that cleansing and through forgiveness of our sin. And so that's an important thing. So many times uh, before we'll take communion, I just want to give opportunity If you've never responded to Christ, if you've never responded to the love of God, he proved it by going to the cross for you. He proved it by giving himself up for you so that you could come to God because of his great love. And so if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ, I just want to encourage you to do that. You receive Christ by confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ that It talks about how he went to the tomb. He was raised from the dead and to forgive you and free you. So we come to Christ and say, yes, I want to have a relationship with you. So we just thank you for that. We thank you for the possibility of coming. All right, so let's let's gather up front together. You know I like to do that.